Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott. Gordon out for one more day. PK, kind enough to sit in. Been a long day for you. I really appreciate you coming in. I'm serious. Like, doing a morning show is tough. You're out of the rack early. Then you hit practice and coming in to do show number two. So I hope you know how much we appreciate it. I went home and took a nap. Oh, good. I'm Seriously, I'm glad you got a little R&R in because that's, that's a long one. My little 14-year-old has nothing to do because school doesn't start till next week. So I had her wash my car. Did you really? That's awesome. <laughs> but she was glad to do it. I can't wait until my daughter gets to the age where, you know, chores or she, she can uh, really sink uh, her yeah, teeth Yeah, 14 into. is one of those ages where they still like you. Uh-huh. You know, once they get like 15, 16, particularly 16, yeah, forget it. But 14, uh-huh. no, they still want to be around you. So I said, hey, you want to help me wash the car? Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Did most of it. I just stood around. Good for her, too. That's great. All right. uh, Let's get out to the Sprint special guest line. Want to remind you, you can lease any handset and get an iPad for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He is the voice of the BYU Cougars. He's Greg Rubel with us here on 97.5 and 1280 Zone. Hi, Greg. Thanks for a few minutes. Oh, my pleasure. Jake, PK. So, Greg, let's uh, talk a little bit about your impressions from camp, and we can kind of talk broadly and get a little bit more specific. But uh, what are you uh, what are you hearing? What are you seeing? What are going to be some strengths? What are some major storylines from camp in your mind? Well, I feel that Jeff Grimes believes he's got a pretty solid number one offensive line. Uh, I, I think uh, there are just enough uh, returning weapons at receiver between Shumway and Simon and Hefo and Milne and Romney to feel that somebody will emerge from that group. I know that Coach Grimes uh, spoke on Saturday about uh, Keanu Hill, a freshman wide receiver. Um, it could be a, a playmaker to be. Uh, tight end is always going to be solid with Matt Bushman. And I know that Zach Wilson is uh, has uh, impressed uh, the staff and uh, how well he's come back for, for, from the surgery. And, and there's a good backup in, in Jaron Hall. Uh, you add in these 50-year running backs, and you got your leading touch guy back from last year in Lopini Katoa, and the pieces are there. Uh, it, it's essentially a veteran offense back from last year. Now, there were steps to take. BYU needs to score more and, and, and probably, uh, for their own uh, wishes, throw more or, or throw more productively. But uh, the ingredients are there, at least on offense. A kicking game appears to... Uh, be more or less solid with uh, Oldroyd having come back off his mission with a nice pop in his leg and Skylar Southam's in his second year. So on that side of the ball, I think pretty good. Uh, defense maybe has more questions to answer only in part because uh, Elisa Tuiaki, at least on Saturday, said he was keeping a lot of uh, uh, you know primary defenders out just in the uh, objective to you know get them to the fight in his words, which is make sure you have enough healthy bodies uh, for game one against Utah. The thing that I thought that was most interesting and talked about it this morning was the fact that Kalani Sataki was talking up Tyson Williams. And yeah. it's nice to have depth, but I, I think that people who tout depth, they tout it because there's not some studs there. And I'd much rather have the studs and guys I can carry on, I count on workhorses. And so with that in mind... He gave me some form of excitement on Williams. I don't want to go too crazy, but is he going to be capable of getting these guys 
800 yards on the ground and maybe even more. Well, I, I don't want to look past Lopini Katoa quite yet because, uh, again, he was the leading touch getter last year, was very productive when he got the ball, had a great touchdown per touch average, and uh, is, is just, I think, part of a really good top trio right now. And they all look a little bit different, you know, uh, between Lopini, Tyson we're talking about, and then Emmanuel Asupa. If one were to emerge as as the workhorse guy that's, uh, that's good for – you know, 90 to 120 yards a week, well, that's great. But uh, I think with those three guys, if all were to be healthy, they'd be much better off than they were in, uh, in late November of last year when they were converting, you know, linebackers to running back to get to and through the Utah game. So I, I think in this case, depth is, is more than just a, a buzzword. I think it's legit relative to, to, to running back. And, again, as long as they stay healthy, those three guys, I think, can grind out a lot of yards for you. Greg, what is fair to expect from a record standpoint in those first four tough games? Oh, it's 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 something I've been uh, unable to get a real good feel for uh, because so much rides on on game one. I, I think um, you know the importance of the Tennessee game is very much dependent on what just happened uh, nine days prior, and and not not that everything's riding on Utah for BYU, but a lot more is riding on for BYU than for Utah. Um, if Utah, you know, weren't to come out victorious on 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 game one, well, you know, okay, they're eight and one in the last nine, right? They're not, they're not you know, they're not nine and zero. They're eight and one. Well, that's that's tremendous. Then they have a couple of out of conference games to to get well and get ready before you you start your run to the Rose Bowl. So Utah can reset pretty quickly and and pretty comfortably, uh, regardless of the outcome in in uh, in Provo on the 29th. You know, for BYU. You know, if uh, if things go their way, well, great. They can go into Tennessee with, with confidence, and and not that not not that the game doesn't matter as much anymore. But uh, you've already done something pretty impressive, and then you have reason to believe you can you can do it two weeks in a row. If things don't go your way on the 29th, well, now there's a whole kind of different pressure in going into SEC country and trying to avoid coming home 0-2, and and seeing where this thing might go from there. So you never like to think too far ahead, but I really do believe that. You know, much of uh, of what a first four game record is going to look like just rides really heavily on 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 the 29th, and and we'll we'll be able to judge a lot more um, after that day. That's interesting to me that you say that because I think that they can draw a lot of momentum in playing well, but still coming up short. And there's no such thing as a moral victory because it's not going to help you win the next one. And but I, I do believe playing well or maybe the flip side of it is if you get what's just blasted at home it's going to like just a huge dark cloud but if it's a competitive game and a team makes a play you know somebody's got to win somebody's got to lose yeah but, but they're it, all but they're always competitive games i mean I, BYU's been on the short end of too many of those where they play well enough to have a shot but don't finish it off okay, they've but, only been you know, out of two of the last eight games that they have lost, uh, and, and the Las Vegas Bowl, I consider to be one of those two. When you're down 35 nothing, it's great that you came back to get within seven, but you really didn't have a reasonable expectation to win that game the way you start. And then 54-10, you know, speaks for itself. But the other games, they're the kind of games you talk about. You know, yeah, you got a shot. Yeah, you play well. You play well enough to be there, but they don't get it done. So. I, I, I think it's not about I, – I don't think you can take that ninth straight loss and, and feel uh, like you've got any kind of momentum going into Knoxville. Uh, I, I really think you've just got to, you've got to find a way uh, to get it done. If, if, if not, you're resetting the clock. And, and what I would compare it to more is last year, PK, when you know, BYU follows a pretty good opener with kind of a dud against Cal. 
And then they responded from that by going to Madison and winning. So that's maybe a little more what they would have to do is, is, is show a true bounce back ability because they didn't look good against Cal, didn't play well enough to win. And then the next week did something really improbable. I think, I think you'd be looking at a similar type scenario. Yeah, I think that the goal is to get eight wins, and whoever they get them against, I mean, I realize the people who are BYU fans want them to see to beat Utah desperately because it's been obviously one-sided for a decade, and that sucks for BYU folks. But I think if you step back, and Kalani Sataki's about getting another contract, and if he finds a way to get eight wins out of this team, that's good enough for him to get an extended contract, and that's the most important thing, not simply beating Utah. It's important if you beat Utah, but at the same time, if you beat Utah, then that, as you just said, that ratchets it up expectations, and if they fall flat, it's going to be like, well, what the heck? How did you do this and then turn around and do that? So there's right. all sorts of things that can go into it. Plus, last year, I get your point, it's well taken, but I think last year Mangum was holding position until Wilson was ready to play, and they deemed him ready to play when they did. Now, with Wilson, they're looking to build something over the next couple of years. Undoubtedly, and I think uh, you know, th- with uh, with the Utah situation coming where it is, um, you, you learn a lot about yourself uh, immediately. And if you're good enough to beat Utah, well, then you are good enough uh, to beat most, if not every other team on your sure. schedule, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I by most metrics, you yeah. could argue that that Utah is the toughest team BYU is going to see, right? Now. Uh, and, that, yeah. and that's that's in you know early August, right. not early November. We're right. saying that, right. but. Right. If, if you can beat Utah, you can feel pretty good about every other team on your schedule being able to compete with that team. And, uh, again, that's not looking past Tennessee, USC, Washington, or anybody else. But it's a really solid litmus right from the get-go. And so, um, you know, it, it's a Pac-12 favorite. Right? I think they're, they're picked to win the league yep, and get yep, to the Rose Bowl. Yep. And if you can do that in week one, you have every reason to have some kind of optimism that, that it could be a, a good, if not a great, season. Greg Rubel, voice of the Cougs, with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Greg, uh, PK brought this up a little bit, but how big of a deal is it that uh, BYU has yet to extend Coach Sataki? Uh, I don't know that we have um, a great field of comparison uh, because BYU, I, and, and PK can correct me, you got, I, I, don't, I haven't done a ton of research into this, but you know, since Lavelle you know, um, anecdotally worked on all those one-year deals, um, BYU hasn't historically had a coach get into a lame duck season, right? Uh, I don't remember. I mean, you can say Croton was a lame duck because everybody knew he was going to get fired, but I don't know that, how that played but out. I, I, but, I think, but I think he was let go with some time left on his deal, was yeah, he not? Yeah, you're, yeah. yeah. contractually, yeah, so, I agree so, with you. Yeah, so I, I think this, you know, this, this becomes the season to, to test whatever notion we're exploring here. Um, he comes into the year uh, with a winning record. I think if Kalani were to... Uh, leave the year with an overall winning record, he'll have done well. And whether it's eight wins like PK um, uh, surmised a moment ago or just getting to the postseason and, and winning a bowl game, which is a six or a seven win year, uh, it's a tough enough slate to where if you're playing in a bowl game, I think you've, you've been a pretty good team and you've done fairly well. Um, so let's see how this thing plays out. But I think if Kalani can, can, can finish year four, like he finished year three, that is with a winning overall record. Um, it, 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 you know, he's he should be in good stead. But that's again from coming from a guy personally who just likes the guy so much and yeah, sure. and thinks he's such a good fit for BYU that I hope he has the success that keeps him here for a while. Yeah, we all do. I agree with that. Greg Rubel with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Greg, I want to switch gears to basketball for a minute, and I want to ask you about uh, what what you thought about Yoli Childs and his nine-game suspension. But uh, former Cougar uh, assistant coach and a good friend of ours, Tim Lacombe, had this tweet 
over the weekend, and I just am curious to get your reaction to this as well. Tim said, uh, we have NCAA universities openly paying players, giving fake degrees, involved in federal fraud cases, and no action, yet a kid makes an honest, genuine mistake, and they get unloaded on. NCAA is a sham. I think those are really strong words, especially from a, from an assistant, a former assistant coach. Yeah, I'll, I'll just kind of let Timmy's uh, comments, you know, stay, um, you know, where they were and, and from the person they came from and then kind of let that um, uh, just kind of be there. I, I, I don't know that I could add much more to, to Timmy's uh, thoughts on it. You know, he's got a pretty good perspective on on things. And, and if he if he believes that, then then that's, you know, certainly um, you know, his perspective. And I, I, I'll just kind of leave it there. I, I do think that. Um, you know, ultimately, you always feel that that that, that forthrightness and contrition and um, common sense will kind of all prevail in some kind of favorable decision in this kind of case, and and it appeared to go kind of unfavorably for BYU uh, to the point where, uh, officially, from a school standpoint, they, they they used the word disappointed that it turned out the way it did. I'm sure they expected something uh, different than than what ultimately transpired. What kind of music you listening to these days? Oh, you know me, PK. I'm really all over the place, um, and you know, I, I, it's just it, it can be anything on any given day for me. I mean, uh, was there a little bit of uh, of Van Halen uh, over the weekend? Well, yes, yes, there was. Um, and and was there a little bit of uh, uh, music from a, a British independent band called Bombay Bicycle Club? Well, yes, yeah, yes, there was. Um, it, it's 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 north and south and east and west, PK. I'm all over the map. So I've kind of converted to country now, man. I'm, I'm way more into that. Nothing wrong with the country. In fact, uh, you know, uh, when, when my wife and I were first dating, she was big into it. And, and I've seen more George Strait shows than uh, oh. uh, I can count on one hand, I think. And, uh, you know, many different artists over the years as well. But I really do love it all. I mean, I'm not here for a good time, Greg. What am I here for? I mean, I'm not here for a long time. What am I here for? We're here for a good time, yeah. not a long time. Right. There you go. I love that tune. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing for me before we let you go, Greg, who has the more talented play-by-play guy, BYU or Utah State? <laughs> uh, BYU's got the oldest of the two. How's that? All right. All right. Fair yeah. enough. That, that I know for sure. At least I think. Wow. It might maybe. I don't know. How old is Scotty? Uh, uh, you're like 41, 42. Yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, what I'm the way older. Yeah. Stop it! Yeah. <laughs> yeah, could you get away with saying what the hell just happened on a BYU broadcast? <laughs> uh, I don't think I'd want to try and find out what the outcome would be. Why? Um, yeah, no, I'm way older than Scotty. So let's just say BYU is the oldest guy. Let's do it that way. Fair enough. Uh, Greg, yeah. it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much for a few minutes. Oh, it's my pleasure. And uh, PK, kudos to you. Sounds like it was a double duty day for you. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun, though. It's not exactly heavy lifting. Morning till night, doing yeah. it right. There you go. Thanks, Greg. Greg Rubel, uh, voice of the BYU Cougars. Always fun to catch up with Greg. I know he comes on with you guys in the morning uh, quite a bit as well. What would you say to that? Who has the more talented play-by-play guy, Utah State or BYU? The problem there is that I don't listen to much of either. I know I'm you're at the television game. Or I'm, yeah, yeah. I, I, when I go to a game, or I'm at home for that matter, Instead of the game in front of me, I have the TV, and then I have one, maybe two other uh, viewing options in my lap or in my hand. Same thing when I'm at a game, watching the game, there's a television, and then I got the computer because there's a whole bunch of games, particularly with the three teams we have here in the state. So 
Uh, you know, you got to be up to date on all of them. There's three things that you really, really have to hone in on, BYU, Utah, and Utah State football, and then, of course, the Jazz. I mean, you've, in order to survive, you've got to really know your stuff. You also have to know a little college basketball, too, but I think that's a little bit of a backseat at that time to the Jazz. What do you think about uh, Tim Lacombe's tweet, his thoughts on the I mean, early, it was right on. I mean, I, I just think that nine games is excessive. You want to penalize them, make them run around the block, and, and take, take the Maui thing away. I mean, I've been to Maui. I've covered the Maui's four times between covering BYU and Utah. Majerus used to love to go out there, and that was always a great perk. Uh, and uh, you know, all sorts of fun, as you can imagine. Um, and nine games? The problem is BYU, with Gonzaga being who they are, BYU has to schedule tough because the West Coast Conference sucks. And, although it's gotten better, but schedule-wise, it really puts a dent into your... It does. You don't play say, enough good teams. Right. So you need to schedule tough. And then with Gonzaga being as dominant, they tend to win the conference. They didn't last year. They won the regular season, and St. Mary's got them in the, in the final, which was a shocker. I was at that game. I couldn't believe it. Um, so taking Yoli, their best player, out, it really limits their opportunity to get an at-large bid. And I think a lot of times you got to look at intent. What was the intent? Right. Was the intent to gain some type of advantage to screw the NCAA to, to just to backdoor something? And just and, and Jay Billis, I was talking to Ben Bagley today, and he does the BYU sports thing. And he, Jay Billis was on, and he's been outspoken. He's been recognized as kind of this generation's Dick Vitale without the over the topness. Uh, and he's saying it's too much. In fact, they did a thing on. Uh, the NCAA wants to wants you to have a degree, and then LeBron and his guy, the rich ball rule, yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. then they rescinded it. We can get into that if you want. And yeah. they rescinded it, and so then uh, Jay Bull said, "Good, you should have rescinded it. Now rescind the nine games for Yoli." So this is three days later, and he's still talking about it. It just seems like, do we have to penalize guys so much for coming back to school and actually going to class and? I mean, there's so much shenanigans going on in college basketball that, that you know, these, these people say they should, they, we should pay college athletes. You know, a lot of them are getting paid as it is, and they're just not, it's not being above board. And here's something that he paid it back with interest, and this seems, seems excessively harsh. Well, and they're new rules. I mean, you're navigating new rules. Mistakes, uh, mistakes are going to and be made. I, if Dave Rose and his staff were there and it stayed there, that'd be one thing. But it was a new staff, and conditions and th- situations changed mm-hmm. from the time the season ended to the time that Yoli made his initial decision and then changed his mind. And yet they're still slapping him with nine games. It just you can't. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't three games be enough? The Maui tournament isn't that enough? I, I actually had not thought about that. I think yeah, absolutely. That should be that should be plenty. Yeah, to to miss nine games, and, and you're totally right with the way BYU has to schedule and and trying to get to the NCAA tournament. Those first nine games, they're going to really count. I mean, the only gimme on their schedule might be Utah this year. That's true. It might be the only gimme. 
All right, that's PK. He is in for Gordon today on the big show. I want to remind you, don't take the bus tour at the airport parking lot. Diamond Airport Parking offers covered self-parking, covered valet parking, open valet parking, and free 24-7 car-to-curb shuttle service. Diamond Airport Parking since 1922, just off I-80 and Redwood Road. Park, ride, and save at Diamond Airport Parking. We'll have more big show coming up straight ahead. Don't forget Steve Starks with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. This is DJ and PK. Matt Michelle joins us, national college football writer for the Orlando Sentinel. Utah's one of the more physical teams in this conference. They need to continue to do that, but they've got to get a little bit better on offense, and they just got to take better care of the football. I think that's the thing that kind of hurt them last year. And you say that, I mean, they still won nine games and still won the South. So, again, these are all things I think that are th- trademarks of what Kyle Winningham has been able to do with that program. So, I mean, to me, I think they're in a good spot going into this year. There's a couple games I think that they can flip, and I think they can be right there again back in the conference championship game. DJ and PK mornings from 6 till 10. Presented by WCF Insurance. Reminding you to be careful out there. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show. 97.5-1280 The Zone. Patrick Kinahan sitting in for Gordon Monson today. Want to remind you, we are going to be live from the warehouse coming up on Thursday from 3 to 6, 1967 South, 300 West. Prices so low, it will blow your mind. The Warehouse. Uh, come hang out with us. Of course, uh, Tom and the gang, uh, we're going to be uh, down there selling cheap furniture. Stack it uh, stack it deep and sell it cheap, PK. That's what uh, Tom and the gang say down there. I would say st- uh, sell furniture uh, at reduced prices. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah right, because the furniture's not cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it's just cheap in price. Oh, that's not, a yeah. good point. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, th- Yeah, there you go. It's top quality stuff. Yes. Sold at rock bottom prices. Yeah. Thank it'll, you for, it'll blow your mind even. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that's that. That's the way I would... PK. It's selling cheap furniture. <laughs> <laughs> I have a little faux pas there. You, you saving me, PK? Yes. Thank you. Uh, thank High you quality for... merchandise at eb- economical prices. There you go. That's what we're... <laughs> <laughs> Coming up on uh, on Thursday. Uh, oh, brother! You done laughing at me? Are, we, <laughs> are you done having a moment uh, at my expense? Uh, PK Team USA continues to be whittled down. Kyle Lowry uh, left the team today because of uh, some injuries that uh, he's dealing with. Or maybe he got cut. We we will never know. But what are your thoughts on Donovan playing for Team USA? I think it's awesome. And going to the World Cup. I do, too. I, I don't see anything down. Gordon's well, a little worried about the risk and the, the miles on the tires and those sorts of things. He's 22 and, years old. And, could, and is totally a sponge of a human. I mean, put him around those great basketball minds. He's going to learn something. He's going to he's going to improve because of this experience. I see no negative. You need to play. You need to work on your game. So why not do it in a structured environment where you're accountable if you're doing it on your own and you're playing pickup, are you really accountable? And here you're accountable. You're being taught the game continually. You always have an opportunity to improve. I mean, the highest level golfers have swing coaches and, you know, they're making millions doing their thing. But you're getting to play in an instructional environment where it's real basketball. I don't see where that's a negative. I think that's awesome. I think that's 
one of the reasons we've seen foreign guys come into this league and be really good is that they always do it. If they're expected to the point of almost required to play for your whatever country you're representing. Joe says it's yeah. the biggest uh, honor of, of right. his career. And you have to do it. And I think that we've seen now the foreign players are no longer one-trick pony, big, tall, white guys who can shoot from the outside and that's it. No, they can do everything. And I think part of that reason why they've been able to do everything is that international stuff where you're required and you're playing hard and it matters and it's important to them. And so that is something that they've been able to bring into the NBA. So have our guys, particularly younger guys like Mitchell and the exposure that he gets and also what he can do for the franchise. Mm -hmm. Any positive publicity that can come the Jazz way is only good. It's not only good, it's great. It's something that matters a whole heck of a lot. They need to be on a national stage. The jazz brand needs to be out there, and it needs to be sent the message constantly, people, you can come here and thrive. doesn't matter who you are, what you look like, as long as you're a good player all the fruits that are available to NBA players are available here in Salt Lake City. So I see no downside to this whatsoever. Plus, the Jazz have never had a player that has uh, the ability to be as popular as Donovan Mitchell. The Jazz have had one other player in their history that had his own shoe. And it was Carl Malone and it was L.A. Gear, right? The catapult. I mean... Big deal. Donovan's got his own shoe from Adidas, and he has the chance to to make an impact on Team USA already at He's 22 a years old. Guy, yeah. He's super charismatic, and I, I think and I hear you talking about this with uh, DJ. You know, you and Dennis Lindsay are, are setting out to change the perception. That's a fact of Salt Lake City well, Dennis, and Utah. It, he decided to go public with it, not me. That's true. He yeah. did decide to go public with yeah. it. You just, you know, happened to confirm what he was saying. But I think what you're getting at right now is is extremely important. And Donovan has the ability to to change that because of his um, his uh, ability to draw attention. Because uh, you know, we can the Jazz can build practice facilities and they can make the player experience uh, as good as it possibly can be. They can send players away that say, no, no, no. Like even Carlos Boozer did this, but Derek Favors, you know, saying the franchise is great, the experience was great. But until people realize, I think that, and maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but you can be cool and play for the Utah Jazz. I think that's a big deal, and he can too. change that. He he can. Everything can change it, and Mitchell is one of those everythings. And the way contracts are now with the shorter versions that you're trying to get, hey, come play with me. We can we can do something special over here, and yeah. So who wouldn't want to be a part of that? You know, we've got everything that you need. We've got stable ownership, and all the way down, blah blah blah. We check off everything. You know, we're here to play basketball, man. We're here to win. You know, don't give me this other stuff. This other stuff, you got time to do. You got four or five months off of the year. Mm-hmm. You can go do that. And you visit these other cities. Come here where they they just cheer your every move. If you love them, they'll love you back in a manner that'll blow your mind. And we've seen that with Mitchell. We've seen that with Goldberg. We've seen it with Joe Ingles. My gosh, 100%. Joe Ingles. 100%. We've seen it with yeah. Joe is so popular around these parts. Now, he makes himself available to us on the show, and he makes shots, and, and he's a friendly dude, and 
And so you got all these things going. The time is now for the Jazz to set the tone for the next 10 years to be a legitimate contender. And if they're a legitimate contender within the next 10 years, there will come a time where they will be the last team standing. And they've put the pieces in place. Gail Miller talked about this on our show last week. They've put the places, the pieces in place, the resources, in order to accomplish that. I think you're right on the money. I think it's a big deal. And you've got two players, really. Uh, but we're talking about Donovan a little bit in this segment. You've got a player in Donovan that you can build around. And if you can mutually have a mutually beneficial relationship, there's no reason for him to go anywhere. And you can build a contender around a, a player of his potential. Now, he's got to hold up his end of the bargain, right? He's got to keep getting better. And he's got to, you know, we, we've gone through the laundrist, you, uh, improve efficiency, you know, make the right basketball decisions, on and on and on and on. But he's got the potential to be a cornerstone of a contending franchise. And that is, that is awesome. It's two things with Mitchell. He's got to get as good as he can be and there's an obligation of the franchise to surround him with players that will make him better, make him more efficient. And they took a major step in this most recent offseason towards that objective. See how it plays out. We're all expecting it to play out rather well. Whether they win it all or not remains to be seen. But they've done what they can do, and it sends a powerful message that this franchise, it's about one thing here for the team, and it's about winning. You don't spend all this money just to kind of be out there finishing 500 and go out in the first round and all that stuff. No, you spend this money starting a couple years back with the remodel and all this other stuff at the practice facility that the fans don't see but you've been told about, and to acquire a, person, acquire a, a, a player of 31 years of age that you owe $60 million to. That only screams one thing. It's about winning. Win as many ball games as you possibly can. And now Mitchell has to cash in on that, play the best that he can, plus with the ability of the players around him, allow the team to be more successful. It's a two things for him. And I expect that to happen. I expect, I said this uh, last night on television with uh, DJ, the, na- the, the number 25 comes to mind. 25 points a game I want to see him average this season. It should be his best season. It should be Mike Conley's best season. It should be Rudy Gobert's best season. I don't know necessarily about Bogdanovich and uh, Joe. Will it be their best seasons? Mm -hmm. They could be very productive, but I don't know that it'll literally be their best seasons. They'll still be very good. But those other three, I expect those three to have their best seasons, recognizing that Conley's a little bit older, and the other two makes more sense because they're younger and they're still growing in their games. But I expect those three to have their best seasons that they've ever had in this league. I like your number 25. Uh, I, I think you're right on the money. We had um, Locke on the other day, and he and Gordon uh, both think that Donovan can get to 28 per game. I'm not so sure that uh, that's realistic. I think he can have 25 per game and have a much greater impact on winning. But then they make good points that he goes to the line a couple more times, he improves his uh, shot selection and efficiency and has a little more room to operate, and maybe it's not too hard to get to 28. I just think that's asking a lot. 28 seems like a lot, man. If he can make the step to 25 at 22, He'll be 23 uh, September 7th, I you think. You are amazing at remembering birthdays. Yeah, I, I just Where did that come from? 
I actually, I just looked it up. Did you? You had you well, knew somebody's birthday on the morning show the other day that it just blew my mind. Because like, how on earth does PK the, know that there birthday? There was uh, some list, was Sporting News, I think, that they listed the best players 23 and under. Maybe it was 22 and under. And Mitchell wasn't on the list, but they were talking about the start of the upcoming season. And the reason why he wasn't on that list is because he was 23. And it might have been 22 and under. And so he wasn't on that list because when the season starts, he will be 23 years of age. So that this, it was you know an arbitrary thing that they came up with. So I, I thought, why isn't Mitchell on this list? And I looked it up because I knew he was 22, but I didn't know when he turned 23. So I did look it up. He does turn 23 before the start of the season, which is still so young. My gosh, it was so the, young. the top 22 under 22. Is that was what it was? List. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I thought, well, why is Mitchell on this? You know, that Booker and Aiton, some of these other, Zion Williamson and blah, blah, blah. But he'll be 23 in this season, and he still has a good, solid 10 years. And I'm calling it, man. This team wins a title in the next 10 years. You heard it here first. And you guys, Tony and Jake doing the morning show in 2030, 31. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have a lot of material. <laughs> Tons of material. Have me on. All right. Speaking of Tony, let's get a, uh, we'll get to a tour of Utah update. We've got Steve Starks joining us at the top of the five o'clock hour. Not Sports Report coming up next. Here's Tony with an update on the tour. Ladies and gentlemen, spanning the entire state of Utah, this is your tour of Utah update. Let's go. Go on the Zone Sports Network. Snowbird has been the queen stage in the past editions of the Tour of Utah. Today it was featured in the prologue. James Piccoli of Elevate KHS Pro Cycling flew down the one and a half mile descent at a speed of over 50 miles an hour. Comes out on top with a time of 8.37.59. Piccoli was fifth at the National Road Race Championships and second overall at the Tour of Taiwan. Lawson Craddock took stage one at the Tour of Columbia. He finished five and a half seconds back. He's your Ski Utah KOM leader after today. Sergey Vetkov finished third. He'll wear the sprint jersey presented by the Utah Sports Commission. Joe Almeida comes in fourth. He takes the best young rider brought to you by WCF Insurance. Also wears the LHM dealership's most aggressive rider jersey. Tony Baca was the America First fan favorite. Coming up tomorrow, we'll have stage one of this year's tour as we head to Cache Valley for the third time at a first visit to North Logan City. Just under 87 miles on this course that moves its way into the western slopes of the Bear River Mountains for 4,310 feet of elevation game it all gets started tomorrow 12 30 with james piccoli a guy who once built his own cycling shoes handlebars and even his own bike out of carbon fiber in his parents garage in montreal wearing the yellow jersey this tour of utah update brought to you by zions bank we haven't forgotten who keeps us in business coming up next on the big show the not sports report and steve starks joins us the show at five on the zone sports network this out. And now, your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Life's the same. I'm moving in stereo. 
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280, The Zone. PK sitting in for Gordon today. It's time to get a winner for the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Be caller 12 right now, 855-340-ZONE, and correctly identify the Chevy Strong Play of the Game announced by DJ and some other dude this morning at 850, and you'll win a Zone prize pack. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game brought to you by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers. Time for the Not Sports Port, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. We have Steve Starks joining us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. But real quick here, PK, I brought this up to you off the air, but uh, this day in music history, in 1968, Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, John Paul Jones, and John Bonham played together for the first time when they rehearsed uh, in a studio in Gerard Street in London's West End. The first song they played was a version of The Train Kept a Rollin'. Sweet. It had been a long time since they rock and rolled. This is, uh, I would say that Led Zeppelin and The Doors are kind of a tie in first place of, uh, of bands I wish I would have seen when they were all together and playing. Where'd he put ABBA? Uh, lower on the list. Lower? Although I'm, I'm not an ABBA hater. I like ABBA. But oh, lower than... I accuse you of being an ABBA hater. So Why are you so sensitive? You are such a music aficionado and such a fan of music. What band did you not get a chance to see and uh, would would be number on one on your wish list? If friggin' Beatles. Would it? Yes. They are by far the greatest band ever. It's not even close. They're like they're number one, and the only reason why they don't have more number ones is because they were competing with themselves. Yes, it's the Beatles every time, one thousand times out of one thousand times. On your personal list, on anybody who has a clues personal list. But what if I'm not that big of a fan of the Beatles? Then you're an idiot. Wow. By the way, mark that down. What are we, an hour and 50 minutes into no, the show? No, I thought you were an idiot at a quarter to three. And that's the first time you called me an idiot today. <laughs> right. <laughs> Usually it's in the first segment. <laughs> I'd put Elvis in front of the Beatles. <laughs> For me personally. You're wrong. I don't know if you can be wrong, really, in this discussion. Yes, you can. Yes. Did you ever see uh, Led Zeppelin? You'd, you would have been young. I'm going to see Robert Plant. In October at at the Eccles Theater. Is he coming to Eccles? That's a great place to see a concert. Yes. But it's not the full Zeppelin experience. Well, that you it's impossible <laughs> when people die. That's what I'm dying. saying. That's the, the purpose <laughs> of the conversation. Thank you very much. What are you talking about? I thought when you, did I argue that? I thought you'd jump on this uh, topic being such a music guy that you are. You asked me what band that I would like to see that I haven't seen. It's the Beatles. And discounting any other answer. In my first 40 selections, yes. I thought it would have been some country band. No, I've seen them all. I thought it would have been like, although Merle Haggard's still with us. I, that's old country, and I'm not really. I'm in a new country, which is nothing but pop music. You don't anyway. like the, the Highwaymen? I'd go to Lukenbach, Texas with Willie and Waylon and the boys, but I like this version of country. I'm going to see Old Dominion. Again. And again. I'm going to see them in October and... December. Are you are you going to drag Gordon along this time? That's his wife. I don't drag him along. Mm. I don't. I couldn't care less if he goes. See, you're smart enough that you know if you convince Lisa, then Gordon I don't will convince her. Through. She wants to go. I, I'm. I've gone to a concert by myself. I don't need anybody else to go. 
My wife will go, obviously, but if she didn't want to go, I'd go by myself. You've been working on Gordon on the country I have for not. a while. Uh huh. I don't care whether he what he likes or not. <laughs> That's so he's, not true. He's still hung up on Elton John. I'm going to see Sir Elton when he's here. So are you, I bet. I'm not. I'd guess. Why not? Mm, too expensive. Don't really want to pay. It is not the cheapest show in the world. That is true. I didn't. But it's it's probably your last chance to see him. I don't care. See, now that, I think, is idiotic. I, I don't have any uh, a special attraction to Elton John. Go no. see Old Dominion 15 times mm-hmm. in a calendar year, but you won't go see Elton John? Am I not speaking English here? You, you're taking a while for that you to catch on? It just doesn't make sense. Oh, bull crap. Doesn't make any sense. I've, I've never been a big Elton John guy. Reginald Dwight? Why? Reg, to his friends. I saw them. I was when I used to do jazz TV, and Billy Joel and Elton John were playing here, and it. The jazz were playing the Warriors, I think, and they were getting killed, and I thought, oh, screw this. So I spent most of the time in the portal, watching the concert, and the ushers. They knew who, they knew what I was doing, so they let me stand. They there. didn't hassle you. No, 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 no. And so I stood there, and we know where the set is down the down the hallway here, and then the jazz come back and win. And I spent most of the time watching. Did you missed the whole comeback. <laughs> Checked in a little bit, and it was just me and DJ. But Pace and Thurl were doing it then, but they weren't there, so it's just me and DJ. And the show got over just as the game ended. So all these people were coming up, and they're there, and a lot of them are feeling no pain, and they're all fired up because they went to the show, and they want to know who won. So we're telling them who won, and I'm blowing kisses to the crowd. And right there in the front is someone who had a personal stake in the jazz outcome. And she wanted to know who won. And she, the reason why she wanted to know is because she's married to the coach. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry's wife, Tammy. <laughs> and she's waving, and they're all, and the jazz had this great comeback, and they were down like 20. And and they came back and won, and, and so the crowd's all fired up. It was a lot of fun, and I just kind of bluffed my way through it because I was watching Billy Joel and Elton John. I did, once they started to come back, DJ said, you better get back in here. So I saw them already, but yeah. If, you, if somebody gave me tickets, or I could get tickets for 50 bucks or less. You'd go. I'd go. All right. Coming up next, Steve Starks will join us uh, now, uh, CEO of Larry H. Miller Group of Companies. Uh, He also will continue his work as uh, president with the Jazz in some capacity. We'll ask him about that and much more coming up right around the corner on The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Junior corner, big time NFL prospect corner, Jalen Johnson. Does the rivalry game mean anything different to you, or is it just a, another game and another opener? It means something to me now. Ever since I got here, I mean, it's just just the disrespect that those fans give to us, the players, just the way they talk. I mean, I just take it to heart because I mean, I don't like when people trash talk and they have no reason to trash talk. I mean, now just coming into it, I'm gonna have a certain attitude and just trying to really prove a point against those guys. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.